Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. Thanks for listening. Father God, we just thank you for today. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you be in this place today. We thank you for the victory, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are victorious in all our lives, Father God, over our past, our shame, our fears and our anxiety. We pray, Lord, that a, a dwelling of your Holy Spirit, Father God, in this place today. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning, church. It's, um, it's a privilege to be up here today. I've also got some extended family in the house. I've got two sets of parents here today. I call my in-laws mum and dad, have since we first got married, so welcome to them. And also my brother John and his wife Bonnie and their son, the cute little Evan, are down from Melbourne for the weekend, so it's a privilege to be here today. I've recently returned from a trip to Greece with my dad. And for those here that don't know our family, I have an Australian mother and a Greek father. And I've never met anyone from dad's side of the family because they've never travelled to Australia and I've never travelled overseas either. It was a wonderful time meeting aunties, uncle and cousins and it also gave me a greater understanding of who my dad is. An absolute gentleman, a man whom I admire and respect, as many that know him do. As you've just heard, we all come from different backgrounds and upbringings, some great, some not so great, but we should never underestimate what God can use to build his kingdom. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor, struggle with alcohol or drugs, abused, imprisoned and so on. Once we come to the realisation that God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. When we accept that Jesus can break the bonds of our past over our lives, it is then that we can be at peace with who we are in him. And from that we can effectively serve in his kingdom. It's my prayer today that we all come to the realisation that we don't need worldly qualifications to serve effectively in God's kingdom. You just need a heart that loves the Lord and wants to serve him in whatever way he sees fit. My job title is Territory Manager and I work for a Tasmanian company that manufactures and distributes fast-moving consumer goods. They are, that's what they're actually called, beverages, confectionery, snack foods and grocery items. Fast-moving. I'm a chef by trade but by the time I finished my apprenticeship I wanted to do something more something that involves a lot of interaction with people. Another nine years went by before I got into the job I'm in now, and 16 years later, I still love it. It's amazing when you don't have any formal qualifications to do a job that you get paid to do, and at the same time, that job fits your personality type, your God-given gifts. There's a saying that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. We're in the, in the middle or the tail end of a series called Unqualified to Serve. And I'm unqualified to be up here. <laughs> I have no resume that says I should be, just a heart for Jesus. And I've had no training in public speaking and everything I do up here, I have one goal in mind and that's to bring glory to my Lord and Saviour. For without him, we are nothing. Amen? So today's message is titled, Who Am I? 
There's a great story in the Bible about being unqualified to serve. And it also acts as a blueprint on how we should be, go about serving in the church. It's the story of Nehemiah. He was cupbearer to the king of Persia and he was visited by one of his brothers and his friends who had come from what was left of Jerusalem. We take up the story in Nehemiah 1, verses 3 and 4. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So let's picture Nehemiah as a member of our church. He's caught up with someone after the service and is asking how their week has been. And in that conversation, the other person has shared that it's been a busy week due to there not being enough people to help in the ministry area in the church. And just a quick side note, all work in the church is a ministry because it all adds up to reaching the lost for Christ. So never underestimate your role in God's house. While Nehemiah has listened to those concerns, he has identified a need. So what does he do? He fasts, prays and seeks direction from the Lord on the matter. Usually when God puts something on your heart, we need to act on it. Now we go to Nehemiah 2, verses 3 to 6. But I replied, is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king with the queen sitting beside him asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told me how long I will be gone, the king agreed to my request. So remember, Nehemiah has already listened, fasted and prayed about the need. And now he has acted on that need and asked to help with it. He gathers others and they rebuild the wall in 52 days. It will be safe to say that there are a lot of people who were involved with rebuilding the wall who had no experience All they had was heart and lungs, meaning they had a vision for a better Jerusalem, so they contributed to see that come to fruition. There are needs all throughout this church, and a lot of the time we come here with our blinkers on, and all we see is our usual seat in church. We have a sing, listen to a preacher, catch up with friends over a coffee afterwards, and then we go home. We don't see those serving in the house because they have a vision for a better church. I'm sure that the kids' church leaders need more volunteers to help. (laughs) Connect groups. There are people here that owe their salvation to those wonderful people who open up their homes in connect groups to nurture the flock of God. The church needs more connect groups to keep up with the growth of the church. One of the most unqualified servants in history. He didn't like public speaking. He didn't enjoy people's company. But God saw in him something special. God saved him as a baby and he was given the name Moses because he was drawn from the water. As you've heard, Moses didn't have 
the worldly attributes and qualifications to be what we humans see as a great leader. God doesn't operate in our world. He operates in the spiritual world and Moses had everything God needed to fulfill his purpose for his kingdom here on earth. So to give you a quick synopsis of Moses, he was a Hebrew born in Egypt when the Israelites were in slavery. Pharaoh was worried that the population of the Israelites would overtake the Egyptians, so he ruled that all male Hebrew babies be killed. Moses' mother placed him in a basket and floated him down the Nile in an act to save him. The Pharaoh's daughter found him and he was raised in the palace. One day when the adult Moses visited the Israelites, he saw an Egyptian official beating a Hebrew slave. So Moses stepped in and killed the Egyptian. After this, he fled Egypt to the land of Midian, where he found a wife, became a father and tended his flock. We will now take up the story in Exodus 3, verses 1 to 4. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. We then skip to verse 7. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now Moses will be feeling excited and filled with awe. He'll be thinking, this is great God. I can't wait to meet them. I can't wait to meet my brothers and sisters when they come out of Egypt. I'll join them on their journey to the promised land. And then came verse 10 and 11. (laughs) Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must leave my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Now Moses' reaction was normal, as we can understand as humans. When we are confronted with something that requires us to step out of our comfort zone, that may take some work to achieve and perseverance, it's easy to say no. Who am I, Pastor Sean, to be Connect Group leader? Who am I, Pastor Morella, to be a volunteer in an administrative role? Who am I, Pastor Steve, to to sing on stage. I have no training. David wasn't chosen by God to be king of Israel because of his physical appearance or abilities. There was no college of kings where you could go and learn to be a king. He wasn't the tallest, strongest man in Israel. God, David was chosen by God because every square millimetre of his heart beated for God. What about ours? 
We pick up in Exodus 4, 1 to 2. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? We then skip to verse 10 to 13. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never have been and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. What is that in your hand, the Lord said? The Bible, the word of God. We may second guess our ability and self-esteem to serve, but God's word never fails. What does it say when we get anxious about serving? Philippians 4.6 Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What does it say when we think we have nothing to offer the church with serving? 1 Peter 2 verse 9 But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others for the the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. What does it say about his plans for your serving? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What does it say about self-doubt and thinking that you're not good enough to serve? 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And this is Peter quoting Jesus' spoken words. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Peter goes on to say, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. The more we read it, the more we become aware of God's purpose, not only for our lives, but for the unsaved in this world. The greatest thing you can ever do after accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour is leading someone to him. We have a team of intercessors here at church who serve every week and they walk around this building and pray for its protection, the people who attend it, and that salvations will be made. And the only qualification they have is a heart for God and they are using their gift for his glory. Can I have the musicians, please? There is another intercessor who, in all honesty, is the reason why I'm here today preaching the word of God and the fact that my parents, their children and grandchildren worship him. My grandmother... Can I have that photo, please, Marco? She was frail. She had a stroke before I was born. She used a walking stick. Her name was Nell. But to six people, she was grand. A beautiful grandmother to me. 
and what a mighty faith warrior she was. Don't be deceived by her physical frailty. What she lacked in physical strength, she made up in spiritual strength. If you remember the movie War Room, Gran had strategy in her prayer life. At the age of two, I had a very high temperature. Mum took me to the doctor and I was diagnosed with meningitis. From the meningitis, I contracted epilepsy. The result of this had me on six tablets a day, brain scans and, of course, epileptic seizures. To make matters worse, I wouldn't take my tablets at school like I was supposed to. So not being properly medicated didn't help most of our time up there when mum and dad were working. They had a single car garage with a flat concrete roof that you could walk on and sit down on. And the height of this was approximately three metres off the footpath below. Can I have that other photo, please, Marco? That's my son, Ben, just to give you a bit of context of height. At the age of six, I was playing on the roof, as I had done many times, and I was near the edge when suddenly I had an epileptic seizure. I blacked out, collapsed, and fell the three metres below and hit my head on the footpath below. I still have the scar on the back of my head to prove it. My grandfather found me. He picked me up in his big, strong arms and carried my lifeless body down to our house. And Mum said it was one of the only times she saw her father white with fear. I was rushed to the doctor where they ran tests. I had no broken bones or spinal damage, just some scrapes and bruises. And the combination of epilepsy and the knock on my head caused me to have scar tissue on my brain. And this affected my concentration and ability to learn. And I struggled through school with it. Mum only told me a few years ago that while this was going on, unbeknownst to her and me, my grandmother was quietly going about praying for me every day, for healing from the epilepsy. We weren't saved at the time. <clears throat> she was an intercessor in prayer. She walked around my life every day praying. In Jesus' name, she wasn't accepting the epilepsy and the hold that it had on my life. And she wasn't walking with a cane. She was walking as a mighty prayer warrior in the promises of God, and she never gave up. Grand never stopped praying, never stopped having the confidence in what she hoped for and the assurance about what she did not see. At the age of seven, I hadn't had a seizure for quite some time. So Grand told Mum to go and get my epilepsy tested, and the results were it was gone. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Where would I be if she said, who am I, Lord, to serve you and pray for Tim? Choose someone else more qualified like a pastor. Who is that in your heart, the Lord asks? Jesus, and that's all you need to serve. Where would my children's eternity be if John and Lizzie Hosford had have said, who am I, Lord, to be a youth pastor? Send someone else. Where would my niece Daisy's eternity be if Daniel and Janet De Silva had said, who am I, Lord, to be a kids' church pastor? Send someone else. My wife Jane and I served as connect group leaders for around five years. And in that time, we had some amazing things happen. Some of those we will never forget because having a front row seat to seeing God move in a person's life is amazing. 
One of those was our sister in Christ, Jules. Marcella and Phil Jewis brought her along as an unsaved lady who was looking for answers in her life. Each time she came, then came to grow bit by bit, and the whole group contributed to that. And then came the day that I had to buy a new shirt because I wasn't going to baptise her in an old one. (laughs) Just down there, Marcella and I knelt beside the baptismal pool. We put her under the water and we said goodbye to Jules. And then as she rose out of the water, we said hello to Jules, the woman saved by Jesus. Hmm. Praying for her in that moment was truly special and humbling. That's why we serve. Matthew 25, 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. God is all. Follow him with all your heart. Accept Jesus into your heart. We may never get a burning bush moment. More often than not, it will be us seeking, fasting and praying about serving in a role. But I want you to remember 1 Peter 2 verse 9. For he called you. Can I have that slide? For he called you. He didn't call you to warm a church seat for the rest of your life. He called you to go and make disciples of all men. Serving in God's house may be stacking chairs, taking out the rubbish, using a spreadsheet, doing the lighting or sound, playing peekaboo with a little one, counselling, intercessory prayer or encouraging people at the door. It all adds up to salvations and when it all boils down, that's God's calling for our lives. How wonderful is it when after the service you see people with a drink in one hand and laying the other hand on a person's shoulder. They may be praying. They may be listening. They may be encouraging. But every time I see it, I'm reminded of the coffee cart and cafe teams that serve. People open up over a coffee. You may be a single parent here with young children. You're probably thinking, how can I serve in in God's house? I have no time for myself. Serve God by leading your children to church every Sunday and raise them in his ways. Never underestimate the value of raising your children as I've seen a child bring an adult to church and then that adult meeting Jesus. Today may be your first time in church. It may be the first time you've heard about Jesus. Or you may be someone who's been attending church for some time but you've never made a decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Or you may be someone who has fallen away in your relationship with God. The word eternity gets used in Hollywood and it's also in the Bible. It's always confronting. You see, the thing about eternity is that it never ends. Ever. Human history, scientific discoveries can never be compared to eternity because they all have a starting point. God says in his word that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins. He was raised to life on the third day and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. So that whoever believes in him and makes Jesus Lord of their life, God promises in his word that they will spend eternity with him. Romans 8.1 So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. 
And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Romans 8, 38. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Can everyone please close their eyes and bow their heads? Today may be the only time that Jesus knocks on the door of your heart. And what are you going to do? Remember eternity and where do you want to spend it? If you want to spend it with Jesus and you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Saviour of life, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. Is there anyone here today that would like to do that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. We hope you've enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more, you can find us at c3hobart.org.au.